his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, are you getting ready for outdoor cooking and enjoying? We have Dawn Webster from MedExpress to tell us about how to stay safe from food poisoning. Also joining us today, we'll find out about the upcoming events in Jessup and what's happening not only this weekend, but coming up this week for veterans at Boscov's in Scranton. But first, let's start off by introducing you to the Secretary of the Hanover Green Cemetery. Jackie Kaiser, I'm looking at you and I'm saying, what in the world would this woman know most about? And it just so happens to be the Hanover Green Cemetery. Welcome. Hello. Now, give me a little bit of reason why you know so much about the Hanover Green Cemetery. When I was in high school, I was always interested in history. It was one of my favorite classes. Uh, The boy at that time that I was going out with, his family lived directly across the street from the Hanover Cemetery. His grandmother lived next door to him, and we would go for walks with her. And as we would walk through the cemetery, she would point out various people and tell us their stories. So that's how I became interested in this particular cemetery. As time went on, uh, my husband became uh, part of the board of the cemetery, and I came on as secretary. And we decided that um, this cemetery was founded in June of 1776. More people should know about who is buried here and what their lives were like. So we began to start these Heritage Days. And during these programs, we have costumed reenactors who stand by the graves and tell that particular person's stories. We have guest speakers. Uh, We have our basket raffles and a little food stand. But mostly it's about the history. There's a lot of history in our cemetery. And um, even the people that live close by it sometimes are amazed at who's buried there and what they accomplished. Where is Hanover Green Cemetery? It's on the main road in Hanover Green. It's like one street next to Sansui Highway. So it's not it's not like it's hidden. No. It's no. it's there. No. If you go to um on the Sansui Highway, if you go down Sansui Highway and you end up by the new high school, the new Hanover High School, at the traffic light there, if you take a right, go up the hill just a little bit. It used to be called Alta Hill. Go up just a little bit, you'll run right into our cemetery fence. And there we are. What a fascinating way to have an introduction. So you used to walk through the cemetery with this woman who had all of this knowledge. Did you have the thought in mind at that time to write any of this down that she would give to you? Unfortunately, no. I was only 16 at the time. 
and I didn't think to write anything down until later in life, like it happens to so many people. Your grandmothers and grandfathers, even your parents will tell you stories, and you're too interested. You're a kid. You're too interested, and then something happens, and all that information is gone. Mm. So if I could tell one thing to people, it's talk to your relatives. Get all the stories down. Get all the people down. You would be amazed at what goes on in your family. Oh, I bet. And coming from an Irish family, I know a lot of them took it right to the grave with them. They held so many secrets. Boy, those <laughs> those ladies, they would keep a lot of secrets. Now, you're mentioning the fact that you have these opportunities coming up for people to actually get to know about the history. Tell us when that's happening. That's going to be this year on June 2nd. It's a Sunday. We're going to have it from noon until around 5 o'clock. And there will be, like I said, tours and speakers. And it's not the first time that this has happened. No, we've been doing it now for about 10 years. So the cemetery itself, 1776? Yes. It must be in pretty good shape. I believe it is. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Have you been part of taking care of that? Yes. Well, I don't go out and mow grass, but I do swing around a weed whacker. <laughs> <laughs> and what about as far as the, the the stones are concerned? Because again, things change. And a lot of times when you go to a cemetery, you look at some of, of the monuments. So you immediately, oh, that must have been a very prominent family, or that was a, a very prominent person. Do you are you do you have those kind of stones or are they just the stones that we would think of in 1776 that might be very flat or very small? Well, we have the old section and that's mostly our colonial section. Some of the stones are even slate and in German from when the German immigrants came over and settled down in that section. But a lot of the markers, you could still read the names. You could still make out their birth dates, their death dates. You could find uh, Rufus Bennett. He was one of George Washington's lifeguard. Lifeguard? What, did Washington have a pool? I know he crossed the Delaware, but what does that mean? Well, a lifeguard, it would be something like today's maybe Secret Service. He had a group of men that would lifeguard. follow him around and try and guard in case of an assassination or an attack. Oh, wow. Now, how would you know that he was one of them? Because you must have done some research here? Well, the DAR has set up a monument for him, so they did the preliminary work. And plus, uh, going through other records, his obituary, uh, we found his obituary, his uh, eulogy at his funeral, and it uh, uh, mentioned that, mentioned things like that. Things like that still exist? You have to dig around, but yes, you can find them. That's amazing. Now, did you have to travel in order to find all this or is this right in our own backyard as far as all this information no it was mostly um we would go to the library or the bishop's library now what's the bishop's library um that's like the next house down from the osterhout library and in there they have uh, newspaper clippings and different articles on uh, microfiche and you could go in there and look look your articles up and uh print it out for a small fee See now, and there are so many people that automatically think everything's on the internet. I don't have to, but you still have all these. You've taken us from Hanover Green all the way down to downtown Wilkesbury, and everything all goes together. Jackie, you're amazing. Well, as a matter of fact, in the Osterhout Library, Larry, they have a bookcase, 
and it's locked because the old books are in there, you'll find tons of books in there about the history of not only Hanover Green, but of Luzerne County. They have the, the history of Luther, Luzerne County. They have um, S.R. Smith's book. He was another history of uh, Luzerne County. You could find tons of information down there. I always recommend people go to your local library first. You'll never know what you'll find on uh, the bookshelf in the back. I bet. And a lot of times people don't take that opportunity anymore because, again, they go right to the Internet. And there's so many other areas. Now, again, for your event coming up, where and when, and is there a cost? It's free. The f- there is a fee, though, for the tour and, of course, uh, for the basket raffles and the food. But you're more than welcome to walk around on your own, and plus the speakers are free. They will be in our chapel. Oh, there's a chapel uh, at the cemetery. Now, is this an original chapel as well? It's not original to 1776, but there was always a chapel on the grounds of the cemetery. The cemetery started out as six acres with what they called a meeting house slash chapel. And over the years, a couple burned down. Uh, the one was half built, and then that congregation moved out. And then uh, the present day one was built. And it's still in operation today. And there's a service every Sunday. Currently. Yes, every Sunday, um, I believe the service is at 11 o'clock, and you could go see our our cute little chapel. It has uh, the oil lamps in it, it has a vaulted ceiling, it has uh, the flying pulpit, the original pews. Wow. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew this was just right off the Sansui? So when again, Jackie, is is your event? It is June 2nd, and that's a Sunday. And what time? 12 until around 5 o'clock. Oh, so it's a whole afternoon. It's the whole afternoon. Once again, give us the directions to the cemetery. Down the Sansui Highway till you get to the Hanover High School. There's a traffic light there. And if you take a right and go up the hill, that used to be Alta Hill. Or if you're left, if you're coming from Nanticoke. Just go and you'll run right into our cemetery fence line. That's amazing. And when we're talking about um, all these, so many different things that go on, do you have a Facebook page, a web page, any place that uh, somebody might be able to get in touch with you if they were interested in maybe getting involved? Well, you could always call the cemetery and leave a message. But also, we do have a Facebook account and a website, and it's uh, just Hanover Green cemetery.com and then you just have to put in the search for it and then that will come right up and that will come right up and you were going to tell us about what well i'd like to touch on a few of the people um i always thought that history was important it gives you a pride in your community it gives you a sense of the people that strive to build our area up and how we should continue with that we have people from the revolutionary war right up to the korean war and World War II. In fact, on Sunday, we are going to plant, Sunday of the event, we are going to plant a tree for Wayne Wolfkyle. He was a Vietnam veteran from the township. His plane was shot down over there, and his body never recovered. He's our missing in action, and we feel that it's time for him to be recognized. So we're going to plant a tree, and that tree will be there forever in his memory. And that'll be on the June 2nd, that afternoon. 
at mm-hmm. the at the cemetery. And you were telling me before we started to actually do our interview that you did all this research on everybody in the cemetery or just about? Well, for the tour, we're only going to have about maybe 10 or 12 stops, but they're going to be interesting stops. They're going to go all the way from colonial times all the way up to the 1800s from um, Mr. Abraham Lincoln Storm. He had a silk mill in Nanticoke, and he was very successful, but he employed child labor. Well, the girls there, they didn't like that, so they ended up picketing him. But he never did uh, resolve that, that issue with them as his factory burned down and he never rebuilt it. And what year was that? That was in the 1800s. Wow. Again, we're going mm-hmm. back. And we're going to have um, a gentleman who was in the Battle of Pioli. We're going to have, of course, our Rufus Bennett. We're going to have Richard Inman with his fascinating story about uh, how he saved Rufus Bennett at the Battle of Forty Fort. We have, uh, of course, we have people who went up to the battle who never came back, but we do have a lot of them that did come back, and we have their stories. We have Samantha Mill, if people are familiar with the uh, Mill Memorial Library in Nanticoke. Yes. She's interred in our cemetery. Her obelisk is the tallest one in the cemetery. She just loved Nanticoke, and she loved our cemetery. And uh, she was a very kind lady, never got married, and bequeathed a lot of money to people to help them out, people to get to college, things like that. It's amazing when you hear these stories. Now, again, you did the research on these people, you personally? Uh, Well, it was, you know, a combination of uh, looking at their monument and then going, pulling up newspaper accounts and uh, looking in the library, you know, all the obituaries, if you could find an obituary, if you could find an account. And, of course, you don't just go to one account uh, for a story. You have to kind of back it up. Mm. Like, okay, this person said this, so let's go see what uh, Pierce says about this story, or let's go see what uh, Blackman Plum said about this. You try and collaborate everything to make sure you're getting as accurate information as you can about these people. And it's hard, and I hope we've done it right. But, um, yeah, for the most of it, I looked it all up. I uh, had clippings from uh, uh, a couple clippings from Bob's grand. That's my husband, Bob's grandmother, about, well, one of them is the ghost of Hanover Township. <gasps> and that was a, a silly ghost story about uh, the 1800s. Who that knew? was originally published in the Wyoming Observer, if anybody remembers that newspaper. Wow. And she cut it out, and uh, we have it in our little history book, so people could get a chuckle about that. And that history book you have here with you today, is that available? Yes, you could buy that. Oh, we, okay. we have a couple available. And we also have, um, it's supposedly the last scalp taken in Wyoming Valley. A scalp? A scalp. A real one? Yes. Oh, my. One day, um, Jameson was with his brother, Ben, and his friend, Asia Chapman. Now, you'd have to picture the cemetery not built up as it is, well, not built up, but not filled up as it is today. They were going by the chapel, and they were surprised by a few Native Americans. Well, he was scalped outright. 
Ben ran away, and uh, Asia Chapman got mortally wounded, and he managed to gallop off to Deacon Hurlbut's farm, where the, where the deacon found him, took him into his house, got his wife, and he bid his final farewell. Now, that's supposedly the last scalp taken in Wyoming Valley. And if you go to the little museum, the uh, Historical Society in Wilkesbury, again, that's attached to the library. If you go in there, you're going to see a painting of that event. Oh, my. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Be- <laughs> so that if you go there and you see that painting, that happened right on our grounds. And his brother... Ben, no, pardon me, I believe it was Bill, he was our first recorded burial in our cemetery, and he was scalped by Indians also. He was scalped down by Breslow. But what happened to him is he didn't die right away. They bashed his head in, (gasps) and he lingered like that for several days before going to his eternal rest. And then I have to wonder, how did they write these articles up in these newspapers with the descriptions? And it's it's just amazing, Jackie, when you think about it. Well, a lot of it, too, is uh, from history books. People back then, like Blackman Plum, he took it from his father. His father was writing things down. And he would list the people that were in the militia. And he would list those that didn't make it back from 44. And then his son you know, passed it down, passed it down, and then they wrote the history. And that's where you get a lot of this, too, that people back then, like Pierce, um, trying to think of another name that did uh, books back then, but they had the sense to write these stories down while people still remembered them, while they were were there, basically. And that was good for them. And then you could go to their books, and then you could pull all this out. Yep. See, good for them. At least they had the the foresight to go ahead and do that. Mm -hmm. So Hanover Green Cemetery, Sunday, June 2nd, Mm -hmm. from... 12 until about 5. 12 until 5, free admission. But if you're going to take the tour, Mm -hmm. there is a a cost for that. And what else are you going to have there? Well, we'll have some food, and we'll have some raffle baskets, and people could sit around and talk. Uh, after the tour, even before the tour, they could just stroll around by themselves on the cemetery and read our old markers. Uh, some of the epitaphs, too, um, are unbelievable. When you, you read uh, some of the things on the tombstones, how and they... they are readable. They are readable. That's amazing. Of course, um, they're fading, of course, as everything mm-hmm. else is as time goes by there. Uh, some of them are our limestone give me give me one or two before we have to get everybody all packed up and ready to go here okay here's rufus bennett's epitaph for eight years he was in the revolution also a lifeguard of washington may his ashes rest securely in the land of his labors his ashes ashes to ashes dust Dust to 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 dust. dust exactly Here's, here's one. Here's one of Mother's Day's coming up, so let's say this one. A loving mother, oh so kind, a beautiful memory left behind. Our home would be like heaven, could we hear her voice again. 
We loved you very dear in life. In death, we do the same. Oh, Jackie, you're you're just you're an amazing lady. We can't wait for this to happen. Thanks so much for coming in today and sharing all of this. And people need to look you up. Well, thank you for having me. And I hope some people come down and have a good time. I hope it doesn't rain. Jackie, we'll keep our fingers crossed for your event as well that it doesn't rain. Now, don't go away. We have more special edition to come. Welcome back to Special Edition. Once again, who said there's nothing to do in northeastern Pennsylvania? Dom Perini is here to tell us about the Jessup Hose Company Number no. 2 and Ambulance Annual Carnival. He's the general chairman of the event and tells us how it just happens to fall at the same time as the Race of the Saints in Jessup. Dom, big doings in Jessup. Always. And this is going to be when? This is our 27th year. It starts May 22nd. It goes through May 27th, which is Memorial Day. Exactly, because that seems to be the tradition. First one out of the gate. Absolutely. Everybody's itchy. The kids are getting off the bus now talking about it. (laughs) When the rides start getting on, going up, the bus stop is right at Second Avenue where the carnival is. And you can literally sit in your car and watch the kids get out of the bus and talk about the show parents must love you they (laughs) i don't know if they love me or hate me but the kids love me now tell us a little bit about the carnival i i know you know people in northeast pennsylvania love their carnivals well we we have uh pay one price ride specials on wednesday and thursday evening that means you pay one price you get a wristband you ride all the rides all night long uh it also happens on saturday and sunday afternoon and it also happens all day monday Oh. Uh, we, we try to do Memorial Day to bring everybody in and really give, I mean, it's a $12 wristband that you ride all the rides all afternoon. Some of them rides, Paul, are $5 a ride. Absolutely. One single time. Yep. And, you know, you, you get to go on all the rides. As far as inter, uh, entertainment, we have a band every single night. Um, we have adult beverages, which is very carefully controlled, fenced the whole nine yards so that the parents could feel safe of their children being separated from that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have 21 rides, we have food, we have games, and the fire company makes their food homemade. Ooh. We make homemade porchettas, we cook about 35 porchettas. We make that in-house. We make tripe. Um, I'm not gonna say on the air what tripe is, no, but because if you Google it, you'll see, you'll <laughs> see what it is, but we make 80 pounds of that, and we're, we sell it out probably by Saturday. And it's a, it's a delicacy. I, I could say if you like clams, if you like or, oysters, you probably would like tripe. Yeah, just don't ask. Okay, just if you're don't not ask. Sure. <laughs> just don't ask what it is. And uh, the fire company runs two stands, and uh, we have clams. We have you know the standard hot dog, hamburgs. We have wings. We have boneless wing hoagie. We have boneless wings to eat. Uh, we have all the standard you know. Pizza, homemade pizza, oh. and and we uh, we just try to bring the homemade food special to the people. Uh, we don't want it to just be drop something in a fryer and here you go. And well, that's and that's probably why you've been. What this is, is what twenty seven years. years. Yeah. So that's probably has something to do with that. And the race of the saints, Saint Ubaldo. Yes. And you know, you it's it's very difficult to separate us. It is, even though it's two organizations. 
St. Ubaldo is their own organization. They have a beautiful chapel on 3rd Avenue where the saints are displayed, and you could stop and you could see that. And the week of May 22nd, every saint has their own activities. They have a a capo night, which is for their captain of the saint. They have their own get-togethers, St. Anthony, St. Ubaldo, and St. George. And each one of those saints have their own organization under the umbrella of the St. Ubaldo Society. And, uh, of course, Saturday, the 20, what, what would that be, the 25th? Saturday's so. the 25th would be the day of the race of the saints. Oh, and so that's on- it, starts, it starts at 7 o'clock in the morning with the buglers waking everybody up. And there's something throughout the day, like 11 or 12 o'clock, and I'm not sure the exact time. They'd have to look online. And St. Ubaldo has a beautiful website. And they, they throw the vases mm-hmm. and they break which are blessed, and you take a piece of that for good luck. It's called the Alsata, and they do that, and then they all go back to their own headquarters. They have lunch, and then they get ready to procession up and have the blessing to the start of the race at 5 o'clock. It is such a tradition that people, uh, they plan their vacations around coming back to Jessup for Memorial Day weekend. And it's only held in two places in the world. Jessup, Pennsylvania, and Gubbio, Italy. Exactly. And Gubbio, Italy does it on May 15th. So if you went on the internet and you typed in St. Ubaldo Racing in Italy, you will get a link to watch that literally. It's broadcast live on May 15th. And then Jessup does it always on the Saturday of Memorial Day. And so you, you could plan your Plan Time. your vacation mm-hmm. so you could go to one. And then and you've had people from Gubbio come here just all like the you've time. sent people oh, all over the time. there. And we have a group going over. Uh, again, uh, there's certain people that go over every year. Right. Uh, but we, I know for a fact this year that the captain of St. George is going over to be with St. George over in Italy. And he's bringing his brother, who is the axe man, who knocks the pin out of the saint oh, out of the, when okay. they separate it and run up the hill. And he's going over to Gubbio, and they're going to represent Jessup with St. George and Gubbio. And you must have people not uh, just from Jessup who take part in all of these events because you would have the culture and the tradition. Some people move out of the area. Some people move into the area. And you get you must get quite a, a mix. All, all over. I mean, you couldn't even explain. You couldn't even sit down and separate it. Uh, if it was just Jessup, we'd never pull this off. Right. Ne- I mean, even the help we get at the carnival, people help us. The, 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 the karate school brings down their kids. The Boy Scouts bring over their children. The Valley View Junior Cougars come and help us. The Valley View School District National Honor Society is one of the major helpers of our event. What, and I'll say it publicly, without Valley View's Junior, without Valley View's National Honor Society, I would struggle for a waiter and waitresses i would really really struggle that's awesome but valley view sends us their national honor society and they help us immensely well and again it just goes to show that there is so much culture there's so much to be shared there's so much for people to get together again when does all this start may 22nd wednesday or i'm sorry tuesday may 22nd tuesday through monday 
May 27th, which is Memorial Day. And where? We didn't even find we didn't out. say where. People it's, are driving around <laughs> Jessup now going, well, where is this? Well, here's what me and Johnny Lucas used to say, <laughs> better, no, better known as Webster. <laughs> Whenever you get off the Casey Highway, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> so if you're coming from Carpendale, you're turning right. If you're coming from Scranton, you're turning left. It's downhill from there. It's The address for your GPS is 333 Hill Street. All right, Dom, go ahead. You can do it. Invite everybody. I'd like to invite everyone to Jessup Annual Carnival, 27-year running, very strong, very beautiful, and just come and have a blast because that's all we want you to do is have fun. Thanks, Dom. Don't forget, that starts Wednesday in Jessup. This month, it's in honor of Armed Forces. Armed Forces Day is this weekend. Throughout the month of May, you may have seen veterans selling poppies, raising funds for veterans. That's going to continue throughout the month of May and something special coming to Boscov's at the Marketplace at Steamtown this coming week. Bob Jordan is here to give us the details. Explain a little bit as to what's going to be happening at Boscov's because you are involved with veterans and they are trying to help some veterans. Can you give right. us a little bit of an overview? Well, it started last year. I'm not sure if Boscov's reached out to them or if they reached out to Boscov's uh, for a fundraiser for their uh, canteen account, I believe it is. That's what helps the veterans with you know some of the purchases and things like that. And also, they buy... I mean, most of these veterans are without family anymore. And uh, sometimes it helps them purchase like little gifts for themselves. Or one of the things we were able to get them last year was a TV for the recreation room. Boscov's had, when when they reached out to Boscov's, Boscov's contacted myself. I know Irene Kelly pretty well. We've done an awful, Boscov's has done an awful lot of uh, help work for us. They let us sell our poppies there and everything during the month of May, which we'll be doing all May. We uh, decided that everything would be okay, and got to go ahead from our commander. He uh, said, that just go see whatever you can do. So the ladies at the uh, club that we work out of, they're a wonderful group of people, and they started getting together, and they started donating baskets, gift certificates, and whatnot that we have as a, we raffle them off there at Boscov's. So far this year, it seems like we're doing a little bit better than we did before, because it's a little bit more known. And we want everybody to know that this is actually taking place at the Boscovs in Scranton. Correct. On the second floor, uh, May 23rd, from 11 until 2, you'll be able to park in the, the lower level of marketplace at Steamtown. You know, you just get your ticket punched, what have you. You get three, three or three hours parking. We're going to have, there'll be vectors there from the Murley Center, uh, some of the older guys. There'll be, uh, well, our, myself and several other members of my post. There'll be other veterans organizations. American Legion, I believe, is going to be there. One of the American Legions, anyway, will be there. There may be another VFW post there. I'm not sure. But it's all, everything is just strictly for the veterans. Uh, Boscott makes no money. We make no money. Everything goes right to the Geno Murley Veterans Center. Can you tell us a little bit about Geno Murley? Bob, as far as um, how many veterans, I know you don't have the number right off the top of your head, but there's quite a few that are in there. And as you said before, some of them are older veterans and they can be able to get all kinds of things from uh, the money that you're raising. 
They are. And like I said, like you said, uh, we don't know the, I don't know the exact number of people that are there. Heck, I couldn't even take a guess at it. But I do know that one of the things, like with the Murley Center, is if you're a veteran and you're going there, or if your wife, your spouse needs to get in there, they take them too. So it's run by the uh, Department of Veteran Affairs out of, Pennsylvania, out of the state of Pennsylvania. And they're very nice about everything. And it's a, it's a well-kept place. It's nicely organized. They get several volunteers from the area that go over there and help them. Uh, it's, it's just a great place for retired veterans to go if they have to be in a home like that. Well, I know in, uh, is it July that they have the Rolling Thunder? And... Yes, they do. It's a motorcycle group that uh, they take a fundraiser. They, they're raising a fundraiser. So they, again, are helping to raise funds for the veterans that are staying at Geno Murley. Now, when people come to Boscov's on the 23rd, what are they going to find there besides the baskets? Well, they'll find some food. Uh, I think we're having Wimpies this year. Wimpies and maybe maybe hot dogs. Food. I'm not sure. We had hot dogs last year. There'll be uh, drinks, coffee, soda, ice water, things like that. Uh, they'll have the baskets. There'll be raffles for uh, lottery tickets. I know that one of the organizations gave us $100 worth of lottery tickets and things like that. So it sounds like, again, all you have to do in order to support, plus you mentioned the, the poppy sales, and this is the month of Armed Forces Day. And that's right. that's going to be held right before your event on the 23rd. That's the 18th? Uh, that's correct. So when you're selling the poppies, where will the uh, folks find you at Boscov's? Inside, outside, up on the oh, second floor? Well, on that day, you'll be able to find people everywhere. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> There'll be all, someone may be out on the street, uh, someone will be inside Boscov's, uh, myself, I'll be down at the lower level of Boscov's. So no matter where you go there, and what day are you going to be doing them, or just sporadic throughout the month of May? Well, I, it's sort of sporadic during the month of May, but I myself will be there on Saturday and Sunday from you know, 10 until 1 and 11 until 2, along with other people I'll come in in the afternoon. Other or uh, the American Legion, I think, has got it the following week or what have you. But on the 18th, we'll all be everywhere. Oh, so that's another good day to stop by in right. order to, to in order to help out the veterans. Absolutely. And Bob, when you're when you're um, involved in something like this, you said you're the chaplain. Yeah, I'm the chaplain in post. And what post is that? The 3451 VFW post 3451. And that's in Scranton. It's in Southside, right? Well, thank you for your service. What was your military background? I was in the Navy. And were you a chaplain in the Navy? No. <laughs> Believe me, the chaplain is sort of a misleading uh, name. My uh, responsibility at the post is if one of the members dies, the veterans die, and they, they request us, we'll go and have like a, a little honor guard for them. I'll lead the prayers. Ah. And, I lead the prayers at the meeting. It's, you know, it's just the start of leading the prayers. That's all. I gotcha. Okay. Well, that still, thank you for your service and for the uh, time that you are spending now. And once again, give us the details of what's happening on the 18th and the 23rd. Well, the 18th is the Armed Forces Day. Several uh, boroughs in the area are going to be having parades and things like that. Uh, we'll be out at cemeteries, uh, making sure that the veterans have the flags on their graves. We take care of about five cemeteries in South Scranton. We change the flags over every year, give them new ones, have a little uh, little bit of a party 
for everybody. Uh, we do a ceremony at our our stand is our event. I shouldn't say our stand, but our memorial to Colonel Frank Duffy. We have that at Harrison Avenue. There's a brand new statue that we put there. We'll be there doing the uh, flag raising. You know. The, normal military stuff that you would do at uh, cemeteries or parades and things like that. And then on the 23rd, you're at Boscov's at the uh, Mall at Steamtown? That's correct. And what time? From 11 until 2. And that's going to be on the second floor? Second floor, up by the uh, good place for it, the candy area. Thanks again to Bob Jordan for joining us. And of course, a big thank you and a salute to all those who have served or who are currently serving in our armed forces. Now, don't go away. You're getting ready for some summer fun? Let's not get sick. Special edition continues in a moment. Welcome back to Special Edition. Can you believe it? We're almost to the end of the month of May, which means Memorial Day weekend, traditionally a time when many are looking forward to getting out and enjoying the summer season, perhaps with a picnic or a barbecue. What about staying safe so that you or someone you've invited doesn't end up with food poisoning? Dawn Webster is a physician's assistant and assistant medical director at MedExpress in Pittsburgh. She answers some of our questions of how to keep your fun time safe so someone doesn't end up visiting her without inviting her, of course. Food poisoning um, is essentially a foodborne illness caused by um, bacteria, viruses, parasites, and their toxins when food isn't um, prepared or cooked or stored appropriately. All right. So most people are thinking, well, I do what I have to do, and that is I cook the food before I go, and then I put it in a cooler with some ice, so I should be pretty good. Is that all we need? Well, it may be. It depends on the temperature. So if it's more than 90 degrees outside, then really one hour is the most you should ever have food sitting out, even on ice if it's uncovered, not in a cooler. Um, if it's less than 90 degrees, you can probably get away with two hours, but really you, you just have to be careful. Um, you know, the best thing to do would be to have it on ice and to keep it in the cooler on ice until really it's just time to eat. Now, is that for hot foods, cold foods? Because I'm thinking we've got maybe some uh, hot dogs and hamburgers that are going, and oops, the baseball game started up, so now we're going to leave those. But they were cooked, so they should be okay when we come back if we just leave them there? No. So you want to keep hot foods hot and cold foods cold. So, yes, um, you know, if you're cooking foods, hot, then you're going to want to keep them on some type of warmer or even, you know, turn the grill um, onto low or even just keep warm just to kind of keep them warm while you're, you know, watching your game or whatever else you may be doing. And then when we're talking about the cold foods, again, watermelon, that's a cold food. But if I leave that on the table or something like that, you know, other fruits that we might bring along with us or something, they should be okay, right? 
sure, they should be okay. So this is more for the, you know, the potato salads, the egg salads, the foods that have, um, you know, the dressings and things like that in them. Um, fruits and vegetables, yes, they should be fine. But the biggest thing you have to watch with them is that when you cut them or, you know, prepare them or wash them, that it was on a completely clean and uncontaminated surface. So that's where your problem is with those. You know, if you use your knife to cut your meat and then you just rinse it, um, you don't wash it, you know, really well or you use the same cutting board on your fruits, then essentially it doesn't matter how cold you keep them. When you eat them, you could get sick. And how do we know, Dawn, when something like that happens? Because, again, when you're outdoors, when you're doing these things, you kind of let your guard down a little bit. As you said, we might not be as cautious with cutting boards and utensils, mix things up, and then all of a sudden we start feeling a little bit eh. So how do we know whether it was the baseball game that we exerted ourselves too much or the dreaded food poisoning? Sure. So symptoms of food poisoning are the typical gastrointestinal, so nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. With food poisoning, it can start anywhere from a couple hours to, you know, a good 12 hours after you eat the contaminated food. Um, But really, you know, these are all self-limited, which means in a healthy adult, they're going to, you know, essentially work themselves out. They're going to go away on their own. Um, the biggest thing is to make sure you don't get dehydrated. So, you know, get plenty of rest. Make sure you're able to keep down fluids. If at all you start to feel weak or dizzy or lightheaded, those are signs that, you know, you may be getting dehydrated. You're, you need to go to the doctor or the med express and maybe get checked to get some fluids. That almost sounds like, um, you know, the, the, you're talking about the dehydration. So that would even supersede something like food poisoning if you're out. Because, again, if you're out doing the exertions in the sun and things like that and you're not paying attention to getting your uh, fluids, that could also cause a problem? It could, Absolutely. When we're also talking about the whole idea of food poisoning, and I know in the past we've put together our uh, checklist of things that we need to keep handy in the summertime, are there things that we should take along with us in order to help um, if we start getting those gastric disturbances? No, there really isn't. So as far as if you do have food poisoning, you don't want to take an antidiarrheal or a peptivismal because, unfortunately, some food poisonings, if you do take those medicines, it can actually make it worse, not better. I didn't know that. So then yeah, what, so what the can you do? Some is if you do think it's food poisoning, just, you know, supportive therapy, lots of rest, lots of fluids, Gatorade, Pedialyte, things like that. Um, once you do feel like you can start eating again, stick with the bland foods the bananas, rice, applesauce, toast, and then once you're tolerating that while keeping it all down, then you can pretty much advance your diet as tolerated. But yeah, as far as medications go, you really don't want to take anything over the counter if you think you may have food poisoning. Would a fever come with food poisoning? It can. It's pretty rare, but it can. I mean, you can have chills with the nausea, but a true fever would be rare. And when we're also talking about the whole idea of food poisoning, you know, we're talking about outdoors, but 
this is also something that we should pay attention to when we are indoors, too, right? Oh, sure. Food poisoning can happen indoors, outdoors, even at restaurants. Ah, now that's another good thing. What are the things that we should look for? Um, you know, we think about it when we're when we're going on a picnic and we're thinking about the keeping things cold, keeping things hot. But usually, if we're indoors at a restaurant, we think, well, they have all this handled. Sure. Well, hopefully they do. Um, but one of the things you could kind of take a look at is if it's any type of buffet and it doesn't look like they're keeping the food separated. They have the, you know, cold foods and the warm foods all kind of on the same area. Um, that's a good indicator that they're really not paying attention to the temperature. Um, or if the cold foods don't really feel cold, you know, you take a bite of potato salad and it kind of feels like it's room temperature. That's a pretty good indicator that maybe you should stay away from it. Ah, well, there you go. And a lot of times people don't think about that because, again, they're too busy enjoying and, oh, we can just kind of let that slide. And is there a change in color of food that we should also be a little bit wary of? Not really, um, to be honest, as far as if it's spoiled. Um, they say that even when it, you know, it spoils that day, you may not even smell a difference. So smelling it... Um, looking for a difference in taste, that's not very accurate. Um, now, when you're cooking food, you know, there's obviously a, a color difference. So when you're cooking meats, um, you want to look at their juices. When their juices run clear, if you don't have a thermometer or a meat thermometer, that's a good rule of thumb is to kind of keep keep um, looking at the juices. And when they run clear, it's most likely cooked all the way through. Boy, I didn't realize that either. Just like I didn't know that food poisoning, a good thing is not to use the the peptos and the things like that. So a lot of these things when we're going out now, it's that time of year. What would you say are some of the things that we need to really pay attention to? Because you don't want to ruin your summer with food poisoning. No, definitely not. So yeah, the biggest thing, the biggest take-home is before you start preparing food, always make sure you have a clean surface and clean hands. So wash your hands, wash the surface down. Make sure you bring enough knives and cutting boards to keep the poultry um, and the meats away from the fruits and veggies, the foods that you will be cooking and won't be cooking, because even if you wipe them down, you know, it's not guaranteed. So you, you want to just bring, you know, two separate sets for raw foods and, and foods that you're going to be cooking. And then the other thing that I would say is, you know, Keep hot foods hot, keep cold foods cold, and if you can, bring a meat thermometer just to make sure you can, you know, uh, ensure that you're cooking them all the way through enough to kill anything that may be in there. Dawn Webster, physician's assistant with MedExpress in Pittsburgh, giving us some good tips on how to keep our summer celebrating safe so our guests don't end up having to visit her with food poisoning. Also, some quick reminders, if you are late joining us today, we also met Jackie Kaiser, Secretary of Hanover Green Cemetery. She told us about an upcoming event at the cemetery in Hanover Township, where there will be tours and speakers. It's all local history. That's on Sunday, June 2nd, from noon to 5. Dom Perini reminding us that the Jessup Carnival is coming up this coming Wednesday, the 26th. 
22nd. And Bob Jordan, that on Thursday the 23rd at Boscov's in Scranton, they will have a special fundraiser for veterans of the Gino Murley Center. And thank you for joining us on Special Edition. I'm Paula Degnan. Federal law enforcement in the Middle District of Pennsylvania are dedicated to making our communities safer, and your help is making a difference. I'm United States Attorney David Freed. As the Chief Federal Law Enforcement Officer in the Middle District of Pennsylvania, I want to ensure all families feel secure on our streets. That's why we launched Project Safe Neighborhoods in October 2017. We've taken guns off the streets and charged violent criminals menacing your communities. A lot of these cases were made possible because of neighborhood support, people who reached out to us to report criminal activity. Our commitment to those who come forward is simple. If you see something and say something, we'll do something. In turn, we pledge, we'll be here, in your neighborhood, with your local law enforcement, working together to build relationships and deter crime. Thanks for listening to Special Edition a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. A production of Intercom Communications. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everything.